0: I'm meteorologist Sally Russell. This is Think Radio.
1: From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC and Program Director of the MedPeds Residency Program. Raising a child is a dawning undertaking, but it requires a lot of help from time to time and never can have too much help. So have you been wondering about what's going on with your child? Maybe you have some health problems that are popping up that you can't quite get your head around? Well, Southern Remedy Kids and Teens is here to help you today. Give us a call, and we'll see if we can't answer some of those questions. Today is open topic day, and we would love to hear what's on your mind. You can reach us at one mpb ring That's one 877 672 Or send an email to teens at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio.
2: him in close contact with US intelligence as NPR's Philip Ewing reports.
3: Rhode Island Senator Jack Reed asked Mattis about his relationship with the intelligence agencies a day after Trump blamed them for what he called leaks of embarrassing information. America's spy bosses have concluded that Russia meddled in the presidential campaign and also briefed Trump about the existence of an unverified dossier that includes serious allegations about Trump and his campaign. Mattis said he has firsthand experience relying on them.
4: In the military, I had a close relationship with the intelligence community. I could evaluate their effectiveness at times on a daily basis, and I have a very, very high degree of confidence in our intelligence community.
3: Mattis told senators that he wouldn't have accepted Trump's nomination unless he believed Trump would, quote, be open to my input on this and other matters. Philip Ewing, NPR News, Washington.
2: The former British spy who created the dossier on Trump that included allegations the president-elect engaged in compromising behavior in Russia reportedly is now in hiding. NPR's Frank Langfitt reports that according to British news media accounts, the ex-intelligence officer is worried about his safety.
1: Ex-MI6 officer Christopher Steele left his home in suburban London earlier this week and hasn't been seen publicly since. No one showed up for work this morning at the offices of Orbis, the private intelligence consultancy Steele co-owns in central London. Steele's research, which alleges that the Kremlin has blackmail-worthy information on the president-elect, set off a firestorm of news coverage. Trump has denied the allegations in the 35-page dossier. Steele began his investigation as part of a political opposition research contract during the GOP primary. The work was bold and high-risk in that it implicated both Trump and the Kremlin. A source close to Steele told the Telegraph newspaper he is, quote, terrified for his and his family's safety. Frank Langford, NPR News. London.
2: The retailer L.L. Bean finds itself in the middle of a political dispute likely amplified after President-elect Trump used Twitter today to thank Linda Bean for donating to his campaign. The Associated Press reports the L.L. Bean heiress contributed a large amount to a pro-Trump political action committee. Now there's a hashtag grab your wallet campaign urging shoppers to boycott L.L. Bean. The Justice Department and Baltimore have an agreement now that outlines reforms in the city's police department. It's still subject to public comment. The agreement exists at an especially sensitive time for a country where race and poverty have been deep seated factors in fractious relationships between many communities of color and members of law enforcement. You're listening to NPR News. The head of Samsung is a suspect in a South Korean probe into corruption. NPR's Elise Hu reports prosecutors are questioning J.Y. Lee, who denies wrongdoing.
0: Lee is the son of the ailing Samsung chairman and the de facto head of the sprawling Samsung conglomerate. He's ensnared in South Korea's biggest political corruption scandal yet, which led to the impeachment of the nation's president. Samsung is accused of giving under-the-table donations to foundations started by the president's close advisor. Prosecutors want to know what Samsung got in return. They believe Samsung was buying support for a controversial merger with an affiliate. When Lee arrived at the prosecutor's office on Thursday, he said he deeply apologizes to the people for failing to, quote, show a positive image, but he continues to maintain his innocence. Elise
2: Hugh, NPR News, Seoul. The U.S. Labor Department is reporting higher weekly jobless claims. The government says weekly applications for unemployment aid rose 10,000 to a seasonally adjusted 247,000 last week. The less volatile four-week average edged lower by 1,750 to 256,500. Amazon says it plans to hire 100,000 people over the next 18 months The online retail giant says many of the positions will be at centers under construction now in multiple states from Florida to California. Amazon is announcing the creation of jobs at a time when many retailers typically scale back their workforce from seasonal levels. U.S. stocks lower dows off 148 at 19,803. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News.
4: Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Staples, with storage solutions for business, including file folders, bankers' boxes, and storage bins for getting organized. More at Staples Stores or staples.com. Staples. Make more
5: happen. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens, with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one 877 MPB ring that's 1 672 7464 or you can email the show kids at mpbonline.org. and now Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1 877 mpb ring that's 1-877-672-7464 or you can email the show kids at mpbonline.org and now southern remedy kids and teens on mpb think radio
1: good morning this is dr jimmy stewart on southern remedy kids and teens glad that you're joining us this morning Got some good news for you. Today is open topic day, which means that any topic that relates to the health care of your family, particularly your children, you can call us today and uh, we'll try to answer those questions as best we can or point you in the right direction at least. Would love to hear from you this morning as uh, you're sort of dictating what we talk about today. Got a lot of good uh Good things on the horizon for 2017, and uh, some of the things that we can bring to you that might be affecting you. And, hey, I wanted to start off with uh, um, uh, sort of an awareness that you need to be in in the state of Mississippi. I know we have some listeners in surrounding states, but particularly in the state of Mississippi, you know, our legislature is uh, back and uh, and at work for us for you. Uh, and it's nice to get involved. In fact, they want you to get involved in, in lots of the different topics, and particularly I'd like to, you know, the the ones that are related to the health of you and your family get to know that legislation well, and the things that are going through. You can find that online at legislature.ms.gov. So, if you go on that website, you can uh, you can you know find some uh, information about some of the legislation, where it is, uh, uh, look at it in detail, and uh, and then you can uh, contact your representatives and uh, state senators and uh, give them. Uh, you know, let them know how you feel about different things because they want to know that. They definitely want to know what's going on. So legislature.ms.gov, and we may be talking about some things as they come up from time to time. You know, that would impact you and your family. Well, let's start off this morning by going to Shelley from Jackson. Good morning, Shelley.
0: Hey, good morning, Dr. Stewart.
1: Thank you for calling.
0: Sure. What,
1: what's your uh, question for us this morning?
0: So I have a toddler um, who's starting to develop
2: kind of some, I guess, disturbing uh, reactions uh, when she doesn't get her way, uh, I, I would say tantrums, really. And we've kind of struggled with how to handle those and what discipline method we should use versus ignoring it. And I, I just wonder kind of what's considered a phase, what's considered normal toddler behavior, and how do you best handle it?
1: Sure. And And how old is she?
2: is almost three.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, we talk about things like, uh, we characterize different ages and developmentally, uh, like the terrible twos, you know, is one of them, and uh, certainly you're, you're still in that range, and uh, you know, before we we go straight to it about some things that you might do to impact that behavior, and you certainly should. I mean, that's the role of every parent or grandparent. Uh, sometimes group parenting, you know, with your friends, when you have negative behaviors, particularly at that age, you want to uh, you want to uh, you know, if it's a negative behavior, correct that pretty pretty soon. What's happening inside the mind of a of a toddler, of a you know, two to four year old, or even even up up through about five years of age? They're trying to, uh, to understand a couple of different things, and one of those is their autonomy or their boundaries. And those boundaries can be physical boundaries. So sometimes if you're like me and you had some rambunctious boys running around, uh, or girls for that matter, uh, you know, there's some boundaries that they, can, uh, that they should uh, respect. Uh, a, a simple one to think about that is the street. So you don't want them to run, run into the street or you know, any kind of harm's way. Well, there are other kind of uh, other boundaries that have to do with their self. So they're pushing to see how far they can get with their own behavior, and uh, and they notice other behaviors not just in in parents or other siblings, but also their peers. So if they're in daycare, if they're you know out and about, uh, or even if they're not, they have this innate abil- ab- ability to really gain things for themselves. So. If you have a 3-year-old and uh, they're not getting what they want and they're they're having a lot of these negative behaviors, you know, certainly crying, screaming, temper tantrums, uh, they can do all kinds of stuff. We even have patients sometimes they'll they'll come in and you know their parents will say, "Uh little Johnny uh he threw a tantrum again, but we were afraid that he he was having a seizure because he held his breath to the point where he passed out." So that's that's common. Um, you know in in this age range, it sounds like you 've tried some of the things to do the the goal of of what you 're trying to do uh, is to create uh, correct that behavior so that they can know what their boundaries are and uh, there 's consistency that 's involved in that, and you really need to know what works for your your child now timeouts are good uh, that 's a good um, you know tool to use as a as a corrective behavior. Reasoning with a two or three year old, uh, see a lot of parents doing that. You really can't do that. They're not going to be able to think out. Okay, let's think about why this is wrong. It's just wrong. I mean, from a from a parent standpoint, you can say, "Now, what you're doing is wrong. You don't need to do that." And then here's here's what we're going to do. Um, remember that a timeout usually is one minute for every age of the patient. Um, so it's you know that's that's a general rule about how how helpful that is but it needs to be a true timeout putting i've seen some some parents will put their their children in timeout but they're able to stay on the phone uh or they're able to uh, you know play a video game or do something like that it this needs to be timeout and a re- withdrawal from other things that they might be you know getting getting a lot of pleasure from at that age, a lot of that is can be attention-seeking behavior. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just the child wants more attention from you. And some kids are wired up to where they want even negative attention, even if they're getting in trouble continually. They like that. So uh, you really, it's. I would try a couple of different things and stick with it. I think, you know, particularly if the more uh, explosive-type behaviors, putting them in timeout that's a true timeout, uh, and and then you have to be, you know, you have to to not give in and not, uh, um, you know, particularly if it's at home, you could ignore that behavior that they're doing after you put them in the timeout because I'm sure they're going to scream and pitch a big fit, um, and then follow through on it. You know, it's it is extremely difficult, particularly if you're out and about. I mean, if you're you know at a restaurant, you just have to deal with some things sometimes, and uh, but you really can't reason with them. Uh, you know, it's got to be blunt. No uh that's that's not right we don't do that uh that behavior and then follow it up with with uh you know with the corrective behavior and then stick to that over time and some kids are more stubborn than others uh you know that's that's uh you can see that in diff- in different families they'll say okay one kid was really easy to parent and another's not so uh it's difficult but you know stick with it Try to find something that works over time. And as they get older, you can have those discussions about, all right, this is why this is wrong. And ask them, you know, to sort of reflect on that, too. What do you think when you see people doing this? But for right now, it's more of just sort of cut and dry behavioral modification. So uh, it'll drive you crazy, though. Uh, So stick with it and, uh, you know, try to do the best you can with it.
0: Okay. Thank you.
1: All right. Thanks for calling. Mm -hmm. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and it's Open Topic Day, which means any kind of topic that you want to talk about, we are open to uh, talk about that, whether it's uh, behavioral modification in your child, or some of those negative behaviors, or if it's uh, they're just sick and you can't quite figure out what's going on. So I hear, I see Jay, <laughs> he's like stepping up to the plate well, with I've, a question.
3: Yeah, I, I've, I'm hearing the, the term rotavirus a lot. I don't know if, uh, you know, what you're seeing at the clinic, if this is a particularly bad year for it or a particularly bad time for it. seems that I've heard that term a lot more than I usually do in, in my circles, uh, including adults yeah. uh, who have, have had a, a bad run of things for a couple of weeks. Uh, I was at a... Um, uh, a bible group that I go to uh each week last night and
1: uh and you're trading rod stories.
3: well I I don't know is <laughs> everybody else in the room is is hacking and I I'm not yet. Uh, I guess I've been pretty fortunate. I don't know I don't know what's going on but uh hopefully I'm not jinxing myself. Knock on this floor Micah, here or whatever but uh yeah, yeah I yeah. I hope I'm not going to get that but uh yeah just is that a thing to to be on the lookout for I know we're kinda getting a change of season here in the second week of January. Right, right. Or like every twenty minutes, it seems in Mississippi.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a couple of different viruses that can cause diarrhea and you see different viruses in different age ranges. So rotavirus is, is one of the most common, if not not the most common, um and potentially, you know, difficult virus to deal with just because of the degree of diarrhea. Um, we actually have a vaccine for younger kids uh, with uh, with rotavirus, and it's a pretty good one, too. It provides a lot of immunity to those under a year of age. Of course, you can get reinfection with it. Certainly adults can get it. There's another one that you may hear the term. It's uh, It sounds like you've gone to some Scandinavian country, but Norwalk virus is another one. Uh, and then there's some common cold viruses that can do the same thing. So there's a lot of enteroviruses, adenoviruses, all of these viruses, they they get transmitted through usually surface contact. <clears throat> so, you know, if you have a younger child and you're changing diapers, certainly you're going to get contact with stool, no matter how well you, you're, you're, you know, careful about that. So washing your hands in between that, uh, you know, before you change a diaper of a child and then afterwards. Um, Daycares, you know, is... As clean as a daycare can be, you still have – I mean, there's been studies that have gone around. and it, If you've got a child in daycare, just don't listen to this next thing because you're probably going to be grossed out and take your kid out of daycare. But but basically, if you go in and you, you, um, you take a swab of everything, you can grow all kinds of stuff that they're just passing back and forth um, – Particularly if they're in that toddler age because they're just got all kinds of secretions. So it's nasty. Yeah. The the reason some of the reasons why we have more of those seasonally don't have as much to do with the time of year, with the temperature, but that we're all cramped up inside around each other. So we have more contact with one another during a lot of those seasons. Um, you, you, Other than the vaccine, you really can't prevent those other than making sure that your hands are, are washed with soap or water or if you use some of the, you know, the sanitizers, the um, alcohol-based sanitizers are pretty good about cutting down on that uh, if you're talking about viruses, uh, you know. Uh, with di- with causing diarrhea. Now, Jay's right. There's there's a lot of that going around right now. We certainly see that in and out of the hospital and also in clinic uh, with kids just having uh, diarrhea at this time of year. Most of it, though, tends to be self-limiting, which means it will go away on its own as long as there's not any other complications. And uh, particularly with rotavirus, uh, if, you, if your child can, you know, if they're old enough to drink or, or eat, uh, they can usually keep up with it. It's just frustrating to have to deal with that. Particularly, I'll tell you the most frustrating for, for me is when you have, and, and particularly with stories of families, is when you've already potty trained your child or you're just potty trained your child and then they get a diarrheal illness. So it's it seeps out and it's nasty and it gets all over the place. Um, but it is most of the time self-limiting. Unfortunately, there's not anything you can give to decrease the amount of time that it's going to take to get through that. Uh, but drinking, you know, plenty of fluids. If they're an older child or formula, if they're a younger child, uh, that's that's the way to go. Um, as far as diarrhea is concerned, with a few exceptions, certainly infectious diarrheas. You know, we've come a long way on, on understanding what's the best thing to eat or to give them. A lot of people will give an older child Pedialyte when they have diarrhea. Uh, Pedialyte's good when you can't eat. So if you're vomiting, it's a nice thing to sort of ease back in. It has a lot of electrolytes in it that will help, you know, uh, give you what you, what your child needs for a while until they can eat appropriately. But if they're not having any problem eating or drinking anything, um, milk products are maybe something that you would avoid just because of how they break that down in the gut. But other than that, you can pretty much give them a regular diet. Uh, and um, But if you give them Pedialyte for prolonged periods of time, you're going to have diarrhea because there's nothing solid going through the system. So it, you know, some at the end of, of some of those illnesses, the parents will say, I just keep giving Pedialyte, and it keeps coming out clear. And I say, have you ever had a colonoscopy or known anybody to have a colonoscopy? Well, that prep is clear, and it's there for a reason to clear things out. So, yeah, going around, most of the time it's okay. Best way to protect yourself, Jay, is to wash those hands, uh, unless you want to wear some kind of protective gear like the uh, hazmat gear
3: yeah i just i yeah i guess i'm doing an okay job of that you know because i've <laughs> i've had uh, you know i have four children and they've all had different uh strap and stuff like that yeah. and um and then you know friends instead all coughs and you know illnesses and things like that and well, i just for some reason i guess i as you, as you get older, too. I haven't been close enough to anybody. I've insulated myself from the rest of the world. That, that may mean well that enough.
1: you need more, you need more uh, interaction with <laughs> right. people, Jay. Yeah. Stuck in the studio 24-7, Jay yeah. White. Uh, they let him out every couple of days.
3: Now, that's really the surprising thing because, you know, all of us pull up to these same microphones day, after, true. day, after, day after day, and I don't, yeah. I don't know how we don't, you know, pass around illnesses. Well, you know what? It's Sherita Brent. She <laughs> she douses as we talked about last week. She yep. douses everything in Lysol on a near daily basis and good on her.
1: And and I am looking directly at a Lysol can <laughs> in the studio right now that Sherita Brent has probably I don't know if she's labeled it. I don't see a name on it, but that's probably her right. her work. <laughs> so keep it up, Shreeder Brent. So, uh, yeah, I mean, another thing is, as you get older, a lot of these viruses you'll get immunity to. Uh, some of them you don't, like the common cold tends to sort of mutate, mutate and change from year to year. Uh, the flu does the same thing, but a lot of them, uh, they don't. Um, but, uh, you know, a little bit of diarrhea, most of the time you can get over that, and certainly kids have their share of it from time to time. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and we're talking about everything you want to talk about this morning. So give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after this break.
0: capital steps to your front door. MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio.
5: On the next Fit to Eat, I'm going to show you how to make butter bean soup with ham and some other butter bean recipes. Registered dietitian Rebecca Turner will show us how to make a healthier corn dog. We travel to the Wise Family Farm in Pontotoc, Mississippi, to see their butterbean harvest. And we have a very special guest, State Senator from District 49, Sean Tyndale, to be here and help me put it all together. So join us.
3: Saturday afternoon at 1.30 on MPB-TV.
5: News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens, with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can email the show, kids at mbbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens, on MPB Think Radio.
1: Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy and it's Open Topic Day, which means you get to call in with any kind of topic or anything that's been just burning on your mind. If you want to ask those questions and no questions are stupid, no questions are uh, too simple or too hard. So we will take all kinds of questions from you this morning or comments. If you hear a former question, you know, that somebody said and you want to add into the discussion, we'd love to hear that too. So I did want to mention one thing about the flu. We talked a little bit about, Jay asked a question about, you know, rotavirus. There's certainly other viral infections that are out there that are seasonal uh, just because of distribution patterns from year to year and how they zoom in and zoom out. So influenza is one that is, uh, it's deadly, uh, it, but it's fascinating, you know, to uh, to see the different uh, patterns and uh, from year to year. It certainly is different. Uh, you really can't... Um, uh, predict really from season to season. They do a pretty good job now of, of predicting what type of flu strain is going to come through next year. Uh, in fact, they'll be looking at, at this pattern this year to sort of see that. It's great. You know, we call a lot of those skills, uh, epidemiologists have those. So they look at patterns of uh, infections and how they are transmitted and what kind of effects that they have in order to be able to predict how we can decrease those from year to year, particularly in populations of people, not just in an individual basis with person to person, but but those larger populations. So flu is different. Sometimes it uh, it peaks at different times, certainly from year to year. Uh, and right now, this is as of the first of the month, uh, it's getting off to sort of a slow start. So, But we do have pretty high areas of activity, and some of those are in the south. Georgia, uh, has one of the highest flu activity levels right now in, in how they serve, uh, have some surveillance, but also our surrounding states. Mississippi is sort of at a moderate level of, of flu activity, and this is not just kids. This is adults, too, with, with, uh, with flu. Uh, but uh, Alabama, Louisiana, uh, Missouri, South Carolina, Utah, all those are pretty high, uh, but uh, Georgia right now is one of the highest in the nation you know, some things to keep in mind about the flu. Certainly, we have a flu vaccine that's, um, you know, touted to be uh, uh, on target this year as far as protection. Uh, if you've got somebody that could be affected by the flu in a negative way, particularly if their immune system's not up to par, uh, you know, if they're getting any kind of uh, medication that might affect their immune system, certainly a lot of older adults are more more susceptible to that or uh younger individuals so young babies whose immune systems are just learning how to to deal with all this bad stuff out there it's a good idea to not only for for them if they you know if they qualify for the flu vaccine but also for other people that are going to be around them that we call that herd immunity when you can protect those, those people around somebody, uh, you know, just, but just to keep in mind, you know, how, how deadly the flu can be. Uh, if you look at the 2013, 14 season, we had 111 people that died of, uh, of flu, uh, 2014, 15, 148. And last year's season, we had 89. So it can be deadly. And certainly, you know, if we can prevent even one death, uh, from From influenza, that would be great i mean it 's just a bad, nasty character for a lot of people, not to mention how it makes you feel uh just down in the dumps and uh, having all kinds of uh, muscle aches and pain sometimes with that so it's uh you know an important thing to keep in mind uh, as we move through flu season uh this year. So I got an email about uh, potty training. Potty training is one of those things that's uh, you know it's a very common thing to go through. Uh, we've talked about it on the program, had a whole uh, whole hour devoted to that. Uh, but you know, there's some nuances to that with different kids. And uh, I had this email come in, it says uh, I have a three year old who uh, who is doing pretty good. At, who's been wearing underwear, big boy underwear, for three months, but I just can't get him to stop pooping in his pants. Uh, so, uh, he is doing a good job of going to the bathroom as far as, uh, as I'll just say urinating. Um, but, uh, we're still having a little bit of problem, uh, with pooping in the pants. So at three years old, you know, if you've got a child that's been potty trained, at least they've got the basics of it. They understand that when I feel this urge either to urinate or to defecate, I know that that means I can go in and, you know, to, uh to to go to the bathroom appropriately and they've got the, the motions down they're comfortable with that uh... when you get to like a, a you know you get that down a little bit uh... for three months that's a good pattern usually about you know one to two months if if you're doing pretty good with it you can still have accidents from time to time uh... but if it's stool if it's accidents uh, related to stool it can be a number of things that might be getting the in the way of uh... you know supporting that behavior those positive behaviors in your child One of them is uh, making sure that you don't have a problem with constipation. And constipation is sometimes uh, it's uh, misunderstood about what that exactly is uh, in, in some cases. So, you know, kids at three years old particularly, they can have a stool every, most of them have at least one stool every day, maybe a couple of times a day. But some of them don't. They may go a day or two in between stooling. And and that can be a normal pattern if the stool is formed but not hard, uh, you know. Then that's that's not constipation. It has to be, you know, a longer period of time or, or a hard stool. Uh, a lot of parents will say they're just really hard pellets is what it looks like in you know in the commode or in their in their diaper or, or pull up. So um, if they're not having that, you know, that's that's a good thing. If they are having constipation problems. Then what that child is probably doing is holding on to that stool in the in their what we call the rectal vault. That's sort of a storage area in the intestines for stool. And um, the longer it sits there, though, the more um, the more water it gets absorbed from that stool, so the harder it gets. And a lot of these kids will have big caliber stools to the point where they have pain when they pass those stools. And uh, you know, a three-year-old once they get a couple of uh, of painful stools like that, as far as they're concerned, nothing good ever came out of their bottom, and they're going to go into lockdown mode and uh, fill up that vault with more and more stool upstream, and you just you just sort of magnify the problem. Um, taking regularly scheduled stooling breaks throughout the day are important, particularly if they learn that behavior. So that's really important to say, hey, whether we're not whether or not we're stooling, we're going to sit down on the potty, and we're going to have you know three or four minutes that we just sit there, which is a long time. Uh, you can read a book while you're doing it. You can play some, you know. Nice music, you can do whatever, but uh, sit on the pot a couple of times a day so that they have some regular times that they'll get used to doing that. And then the other thing is to make sure that they have you know, a, a good, healthy diet that has lots of uh, fiber in it. three-year-old needs to be eating five servings a day of fruits and vegetables that have a lot of fiber in it, uh, and plenty of water, uh, and uh, you know, non, uh, non-dairy drinks uh, uh, that aren't sugary, a lot of times that can cause them to to have some problems with uh, with stooling. And then, you know, a reward system is good, too. If they have control over it at times, uh, you can support that. You know, a lot of people use the sticker system, and then when you get enough stickers, you can get something. Um, making a big deal out of successes and not dwelling on those failures quite as much. Those are just some, you know, standard things to do. and 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 knowing that you can still have problems after they know what they're doing you can still have some you know some setbacks from time to time that's normal and uh you know if if you look at urinating problems if you look at what we call nocturnal uh inuresis or you uh basically are wetting the bed at night that can go on for a long time and differences you know if you change states you change schools uh different social interactions in the family all those things can contribute to that so uh, I would be consistent, try to do a reward system and uh, a couple of potty breaks throughout the day and see if that didn't uh, improve things. So, hey, thanks for that email on uh, on pooping. We talk about all kinds of crazy stuff here on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. Let's go to Sadie and Jackson. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. Do you have a question for us?
0: I do. I have uh, my teenage son is into the muscle milk and the supplements and vitamins and just wondered how safe it is, if there's a, you know, overdoing it or just what you have to say about all that.
1: Yeah. Supplements are a big deal, particularly with guys. Um, you know, I haven't seen a lot of girls, teenage girls that come in about that. Usually they're more, uh, concerned with the types of food they're eating or, or limiting foods or those kind of behaviors. But you know food choices and, and healthy nutrition is um it is the best medicine along with exercise best preventive medicine that we can do um is is a healthy diet and exercise so uh that's important now if you're if you're if you have a son or daughter that's uh that's into sports you know i I would ask some questions about why they're doing that first you know if it's to gain muscle mass you mentioned a couple of things that can you know that are are at least touted to do that muscle milk a lot of people use and uh products with creatine in it or dhea Uh, these are all uh muscle uh components of of our muscles that we normally get in a healthy diet so if you're eating you know uh, again five fruits and vegetables a day you're getting a little bit of protein in there too an appropriate amount of good fats um, you, you really don't have to worry about that unless you have a chronic health problem that that uh or you're not get you know don't have access to that so a lot of these supplements can do some harm and um, i've seen you know probably the most extreme uh case of this was a uh, was a um, uh i guess you could call it over the counter it was it was uh, bought online That uh, was some uh, testosterone hormone that you could buy online and you can find this stuff. I mean, kids can find this stuff. Adults can find this stuff. Uh, And uh, the my patient came in, he was a teenager and came in 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 liver failure. Um, I mean, a lot of that can really damage different organs. A lot of the things like you mentioned can, you know, they're they're clear through the kidney. And if you overload the kidney with too many things like that, you can do some damage long term. Um I would I would approach this a number of ways and you never know what kids are you know they may know somebody else that gained 20 pounds of muscle you know just by doing things. Muscle milk as far as I know is is pretty safe but I I would even advocate to just ask your your son, "Hey, why are you why are you wanting to do this?" And um and get at the why of the matter and if they're saying, "Hey, I want to, you know, I want to gain some weight." Uh, maybe they need to go to you know a a, a sports physiologist and just uh, you know one one that's not going to tell them to take supplements right. um, and and say you know I just want to I want to gain a little bit of muscle weight. Is there a way I can do that through a weightlifting program or you know talking to different people about that? Now you know you do run into some um, you know some coaches that are advocating doing this. There's just not a whole lot of data on supplements. There is a a lot of data on a healthy diet and. I can remember a couple of years ago, my oldest son was asking about some of this and, uh, you know, it, about how to gain muscle weight. And um, we started looking at different things. I was talking to him about nutrition, but it's sort of that teenager sort of look that they give you, like, I'm not really buying it because you're my parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went to the Navy SEAL website, and uh, they had their sports, uh, their, their training nutritionist on there in a little video and who basically said the only supplements, you know, they they have people ask them that are coming into the program, what kind of supplements do I need coming into the program? And they say nothing, that the only supplement that they provide uh, for the Navy SEAL training program is milk. So they have three glasses of milk a day because they have a high uh, risk of uh, stress fractures and they need the calcium. So, you know, a healthy diet goes a long way, and it's something about the nutrients in those foods uh, particularly if they're the less processed, the better that you absorb and that your body is able to utilize. We're just put together to do that. Now there may be some instances where your physician says, you know, you you're, you're, you have anemia. You might want to take more iron uh, and you know, that's, that's fine, but there's a lot of other things out there that just don't have the data behind them. You know, it's the, the only thing really that, uh, that has a lot of good data uh, probably the best supplementation is folic acid, uh, and for uh, um, uh, women of childbearing age to prevent neural tube defects. Um, so that's that's um, you know that's one that's been shown to decrease something. But all the others are really when they're in they're in the foods themselves. So right. so I do that. I'd ask those why questions and then maybe try an alternative to it just to see. And um, I, I bet... do
0: have another question. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> and I don't know if this is true or not, but just kind of go into just vitamins themselves. I've heard different vitamins. Oh, it's good to take this, good to take that. And someone had told me once that you can't really over overdose or overtake vitamins because your body will only take what it needs. Is that correct?
1: yeah that 's actually not correct for some vitamins so uh some vitamins that that is true it 's not so much that your body won 't absorb it there are some that it 'll absorb a lot of if you uh, you know if it's if it 's exposed to it the uh, for instance the b vitamins b is in boy the b vitamins uh, they 're absorbed readily uh, you know in the intestines and certain uh, some some of them are in different parts of the intestines but basically you can absorb those and any excess that you don't your body doesn't need gets uh, excreted into the urine so your kidneys filter that out and it, it goes in the urine so you really can't overdose on B vitamins right. now there are some that are particularly the fat soluble vitamins and those are vitamin A, D, E, and K. And some of those, uh, if you uh, ingest too much of that, uh, like vitamin A, you can get toxicity. And that's again that most of those fat-soluble vitamins it involves the liver and other organs. Um, but you can you can have some serious problems with that. Uh, we do see you know young kids taking an overdose of vitamins just because nowadays they taste great, like they're gummy. You know Hi. the gummy little uh, bears that have the vitamins, and, and those are fine if you take it exactly like. You know, like like the it says on the uh, on the packaging, or that your your physician tells you to take. But you know, a kid will take the whole bottle or half a bottle. You can get iron toxicity in there. Uh, you know, there there are a couple other things that you can uh, you can have serious side effects. So, yeah, if you're if your son or daughter is wanting to pop you know pop a bunch of vitamins uh, all day long, there's some serious side effects with that too. So you yeah. have to be careful about it, particularly multivitamins that have those those fat soluble vitamins in them.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Healthy diet, never a bad thing. So uh, I challenge everybody to do that, including myself, uh, to uh, to stay healthy. And uh, maybe that's something that you can uh, latch on to this new year. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It is Open Topic Day, which means we're taking any kind of calls or emails that you'd like to send our way. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about any topic that you want to bring up.
3: Podcasts of your favorite MPB think radio programs are available now with any podcast app you can search subscribe and never miss a second of MPB think radio
0: If you have a vehicle that you no longer need, maybe it's collecting dust, we have a solution. Donate it to MPB. Your donation will go towards supporting your favorite programs that keep the community informed. To get more information about our car donation program, visit mpbonline.org. That's mpbonline.org. Your vehicle donation can make all the difference.
5: To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens, with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, kids at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens, on MPB Think Radio.
1: Good morning, this is Dr. Jimmy, and we're talking about anything you want to talk about this morning on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. So give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one 672 7464 Some other things in the news, congenital heart disease risk and how to predict that. So congenital heart disease is something that is thankfully rare, but it's any kind of change. It's not just one thing, but a different kind of changes in the structure of the heart or how the heart Functions and that could be uh, maybe some electrical problems in the heart, or maybe it's not hooked up right. Uh, so there's lots of different things that can can uh, can go wrong with that. Thankfully, it is rare. There was a recent study though that looked at a way to uh, sort of predict which uh, which uh, baby would be more affected by that. Uh, very early on and in, in, during pregnancy to sort of look for screening, because we know if we catch those early, we can plan uh, for different things during the pregnancy. And um, most of our successes uh, come from lots of different surgical techniques of recognizing those things early. So uh this is a retrospective study, which means they looked at individuals that had already, you know, had a, a baby with or without heart uh congenital heart disease. So they looked at nineteen, a little over nineteen thousand pregnancies and found eight hundred and eleven of those which resulted in congenital heart disease in the in the baby. And the single best predictor in the first trimester, that's the first you know, couple of, of months of uh, uh three months of pregnancy was, uh, was glucose or blood sugar. So they do check that periodically throughout pregnancy, but that was the single best predictor. So for every 10 milligram increase in the plasma glu- glucose, which is the blood sugar, uh, at a random measurement, then you would increase your your risk of congenital heart disease in the baby by 8%. So that's... Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty good predictor there. And again, that's something that you might want to ask if you're pregnant right now, ask your OBGYN about, you know, whether they they need to to do that regardless if you're at higher risk for diabetes during pregnancy. So, we we already knew that diabetes was a risk factor, but even if you don't have diabetes, if you have an elevated blood sugar that might be something that they look at a little bit more closely. Let's go to Stacy this morning who has a question about TV shows. Good morning, Stacy.
0: Morning. Um, I'm trying to figure out what would be um, some good shows for uh, age appropriateness for a nine-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, a lot of the shows on TV are very um, well; they're not appropriate for um, that age. Do you have any um, recommendations?
1: Yeah, that's a excellent question. So yeah, if you if you just take the uh T V controller and uh browse through what's on, even if it's labeled okay for kids, you do have to be uh careful with those kinds of things. So nine and four are you know, that's a a pretty good spread of different, you know, things that they would like. Uh there are there are a lot of situational comedy shows that um uh, that may or may not have things in there, I would say you know probably the best thing is to screen those shows first now there 's a lot of online screening that you can uh, take advantage of, uh, but what it really comes down to is is what do you think is appropriate for your own children, and you might have to watch that without them. Uh, so, yeah, you might have to watch SpongeBob a couple of times or something like that and see if it's actually appropriate uh, for for your kids. And everybody has, a, a you know, a couple of things that, that they feel like are appropriate or not appropriate. Um, you know, so what we know about some of those issues and certainly if you turn on the news, I mean, there's there's so much today that comes directly to our children, to us. And uh, there's a lot of research right now of how that changes brain chemistry. How does that affect kids as they grow up? We know that the more violent things that they're uh, exposed to, whether that's in a video game or a TV show program, uh, uh, sexually explicit uh, behaviors that are not age appropriate for them, the more likely they are, they are, uh, are to be habituated to that, to think that that's okay. Uh, and not just at, you know, certain age levels, but all age levels. So the more they see it, the more they're going to be accustomed to it. And okay. that, you know, I would screen those things. Uh, you know, Disney does a pretty good job as a, as i I'm not, I don't have any stock in anybody, you know, but, uh, they do have some, some, uh, age appropriate shows and a lot of kids shows now will have an age range in them. So if you look at either uh-huh. the, I can't remember if it's bottom right hand side of the, of the, you know, of the, uh, of the screen or not, but it'll have a, an appropriate age in there so that they can, you can sort of get a good sense of it. But really until you screen those TV programs, um, you know, beforehand, don't just take the, <laughs> a lot of parents will say, well, that, you know, child said it was okay. Well, they can't really make those judgments themselves. Right. So not in, not in four year old really need to do that. And don't take for granted that everybody's going to, you know, think the same thing you want what's best for your kids. um, um it's going to be safe for them. And it's not, you know, TV is not innocuous. In other words, it's, it can cause a lot of long-term problems if they're, you know, exposed to different things uh, a little bit early. And a lot of good research coming out, particularly on violence uh, in uh, video games. Uh, so, yeah, I okay. would I would screen those heavily. I'm, I'm with you on that. And limit it. Right. You know, they, they need uh, two hours or less if they're in those age ranges.
0: All right. Perfect.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you for calling. Let's go to Cameron in Oxford. Good morning, Cameron.
4: Hey, how are you?
1: Good. I think you had a comment for us.
4: I did. Um, I guess um, I grew up in in Jackson. And, uh, you know, when you have an incarcerated parent, you're going through, you know, like early teens, preteen years, like. I just uh, often, like, you know, I had church and, like, you know, had a great community there. But I just felt like my situation was a little unique. And I just often felt like I didn't really have, like, the community I wish I had of people that understood kind of what I was going through. And so um, I just, you know, I I guess uh, it was just a comment. And I'd love some of your feedback on, you know, that situation, I guess, if that makes sense.
1: Sure. And that was your parent that was incarcerated at the time?
4: Uh, yes, sir. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it was just a unique situation, and I just so many people offered so much advice, but I never felt like uh, so much of it just wasn't pertaining to my situation. Right. Does that make sense?
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. How, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you, Cameron, when that happened?
4: Um, I was uh 13, but um, I had a little brother as well who was yeah. a little bit younger. So.
1: So so the, you know traumatic events and particularly when it disrupts uh you know um, family members you know the the adult family members parents uh with normal parenting input that they have you know in, in incarceration is is one that uh it really just rips rips families apart in a lot of ways and you're right now people can certainly have empathy toward that and provide a lot of support But almost always, I mean, because you're, you know, it's it is a rare thing. If you look at everybody, it's certainly not something that everybody has to go through. Uh, They can't, uh, you know, really understand that. In fact, it's it's so rare. You're probably not going to find a lot of support groups. You know, yeah, I couldn't find any. Exactly. Um, I do think social media now. That's one of the good things about it that it could provide some of those. You know, blogging or or different social media groups that might uh, Facebook groups that might. Uh, be available to kids that age, particularly in the teen years, it might help. Um, uh,
4: you know, the Internet was part of the problem, I mean, uh, huh? with him. Um, oh,
1: I got you. Okay. And
4: so uh, that, we were always kind of pushed away from that. And sure. I still just probably because of the situation, you know, yeah. it myself. So, gotcha. Uh, but, it, it, you know, I, I really appreciate your thoughts. Uh, it is just um, one of those things that I just— never knew if there was a source of uh, support I could have found. And I just, you know, luckily I have great friends and great figures in my life that were there to help. I just, uh, there was never anything specifically for me, if that made sense. Right. I had to find my own path.
1: Yeah. I th- you know, uh, Cameron, did you, did you have any kind of counseling during that time period by a psychologist oh, a or couple,
4: a couple people as well as youth ministers and just uh, yep. members of the church and just, uh, other male figures. Um, I felt like both me and my brother got through it and we're really strong and, you know, as a family, we got each other through it. Yeah. But um, specific counseling, it's like, that's when I go in and just feel like I didn't relate to him, you know, that person, you know, so.
1: Yeah. You know, counselors will, I do think that's a good resource to at least try in those situations. And, um, but somebody who understands the ages, I mean, that's one of the difficulties sometimes is, Some psychologists will, you know, just have a different skill set for different ages, um, and, and be very good, you know, with adults, but not so good with, with teens or with, with younger kids. So it's, you know, it's important to, to sort of ask around about that and see resources. But, um, yeah, it sounds like you did pretty good though, Cameron. I mean, you're, and, and I would applaud you for being able to share something that difficult with us, you know, on the air, but, um, i have seen a lot of cases though that you have traumatic events like that that affect families and particularly kids, and the parents just feel you know there's some stigma with that, but don't feel like that they need to reach out to other people and in your case, it sounds like you had some great resources through your church um, but there may also be some times when you might um you know reach reach further than that but you're not in your situation i I don't think anybody would feel like unless you're in a really big city. Uh, you know, a metropolitan area like New York or Chicago, I I don't think you're going to, you know, find something that's truly specific uh, for your individual case. You're right. I mean, that's, that's a difficult thing. And, uh, and just, you know, having somebody to talk to is a great thing, particularly if it's a male figure at that age. So, so thanks for sharing that with us, Cameron. I, you know, I, uh, it's it's good to talk about that. You know, you never know uh, who's going to be out there that's going through this similar circumstance. I can't tell you how many times that I thought things were very particular to me. Certainly, nothing is is traumatic as that. But some other failures that I've had some from, from time to time that I'm able to share with other people. And uh, hey, that's what it's all about. That's one reason why we're here too at Southern Remedy Kids and Teens to offer that up to everybody. So thank you for calling and sharing that with us, Cameron. Let's go to uh, Mikey. I think we have time for one more call. Good morning, Mikey.
0: Hey, good morning. Um, it's interesting, uh, amazing that um, the last caller kind of feeds into the question that I have. Um, yesterday I witnessed, um, unfortunately, uh, very close by, um, uh, a fight. I mean, a knockdown, drag drag-out, across-the-asphalt um, teen fight. Uh-huh. And these were girls, <laughs> and they were surrounded by fifteen to twenty other teens that got off the bus. Um, this upsets everybody, of course. You know, um, other neighbors in the in the neighborhood came out because we just don't want to see that. We don't want to see people treating each other like that. Um, it's what can we do to be supportive? As neighbors, as neighborhood, um, to not exacerbate. Um, other than, I mean, all we have is calling the law. Yeah. And that may make it worse.
1: Right. Yeah. It, there, there's sensitive situations there that you have to be very careful with. Um, certainly, if you have, you know, if somebody is. Uh, You want to protect yourself and your family. And these days, if you have some teens, you never know if somebody is going to have a firearm or a weapon. that, If you get involved, that's going to, you know, um, affect you or or somebody coming in and trying to break that up or or stop some of the, the negative behaviors. I do think, though, that communities could could step up and do that now. One way of not you know, you mentioned it, sometimes you can you can contact parents you can you can directly deal with it if you see it. but if it sometimes it does sort of escalate things, bringing in the police, if somebody's in danger of losing their life or getting hurt, uh, I'm all for the police coming in. I mean that's uh, that's a uh, I know there's a lot of charged issues everywhere with that, particularly if it's you know if it's uh, racial differences, Uh, in in certain areas or socioeconomic differences. That's always a big issue these days. But I think everybody would agree that we want everybody to be safe, particularly our kids in these areas. One way communities can can address this, though, is through community groups um, uh, that uh, maybe not deal with just that, but deal with other things. So uh, neighborhood watch programs which watch, watch for crime can also you know if you have a meeting like that you can also bring up okay we've had a couple of teens in our area that have you know we've seen get into fights how can we address this too and then when you get everybody involved in it you can start speaking into those things and you never know you may have a um, you know a parent that says you know if you see my kid doing that I, I'm all for you stepping in and and this is you know this is what I think you should do in those cases so uh, neighborhood watch programs, neighborhood associations, I think that's probably the best way to deal, not just with that problem, with, with other uh, challenges uh, that, that communities have these days. We don't have enough community support, though. It's not like it used to be when your neighbors sort of knew everybody. We sort of retreat into our enclaves and uh, go into our uh, little social worlds. So, uh that, that would be one thing that I would do is work through whatever structure you have or maybe create that structure without it explicitly being to decrease the amount of violence. Maybe that's an easier way to bring it up in your neighborhood. So, um, yeah, we need we need more neighborhood involvement like that. So thanks for bringing that to our attention, uh, Mikey, and uh, definitely want safe neighborhoods for our kids to grow up in and for us to be in, too. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank everybody for calling in and for our emails to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I've enjoyed talking about all those kinds of issues that we, uh, that are brought up by you, our callers. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Our call screener doing two jobs, I think, there in the booth and, and producer is, is Jay White. I almost called you Dr. Jay. Be Dr. J. That'd be be awesome. (laughs) You can join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy kids and teens. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.
5: Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at BCBSMS.com.
0: Temperature is quite warm today, and we may see some changes across northern Mississippi by tomorrow, and the milder air moves back in for the upcoming weekend. In South Haven today, an increasing chance of showers, maybe a few storms, or high in the low 70s. Tonight we're down into the